You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles hunting podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and on this podcast, you will find tons of relevant information that will help you become more successful in the field. You'll hear product information directly from the manufacturer and success stories from guys and gals just like you. Sit back, relax, and pour a stiff drink. This episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. I tell you what, man, I had one hell of a weekend. Uh, Funny, just got out of the ER. Uh, I got diagnosed with a little bit of, I think it's called, pronounced epi epidemiitis epidemiitis or something like that Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it's about so I'm going to let you google it but uh, I woke up Sunday morning and I was just like on this ungodly amount of pain Uh, went to the ER for like four hours they hooked me up with some uh, pain meds some antibiotics and uh, now I'm uh, it's later in that evening the medicine's in me the pain meds are in me and (laughs) here we are and uh, this weekend on Saturday, this past weekend on Saturday, I was at the Iowa Deer Classic. And um, I had the opportunity to sit down with a lot of great people. And this is the first podcast of of like four podcasts that I did throughout this past weekend um, and uh, at the Iowa Deer Classic. And the, the one thing I really like about the Iowa Deer Classic is I love going there and catching up with all my hunting buddies, all my friends that I hadn't uh, seen in a while and uh, get a catch up about how their season went. You get to meet new people and then you get a, like for me, I get to meet with some really awesome guys like Lantani of uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers um, and Rick Henley. The uh, He's one of the guys in charge of the Iowa chapter of the BHA and, uh, and we have a really awesome short conversation a really good conversation about all the things that are happening right now uh, in the world of public land and uh, what we need to look out for what we need to fight for 
uh, what we need to vote for and what we need to be educated on, not only in the state of Iowa, but uh, on the national level as well. So uh, it's a really awesome episode. We get uh, get a lot of information in a short period of time. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk too much into uh, into this podcast. I'm just gonna uh, do the commercial now and then get right into it. So I love <laughs> I love my prime bow and uh it's one of those you know when it comes to archery equipment i like to feel confident in what i do right and i play a, I play around a lot with my arrow setup but typically what i do is once i find a bow that i really like and uh, prime is a really good example uh once i find a bow that i really like i continue to use it for a long period of time i'm not necessarily the guy who goes out and buys a bow every single year but when i unless it's you know unless i find something that's better uh, i when it comes to bows i am somewhat brand loyal uh, because uh, if i find something i stick with it and i and i don't typically change too often and uh Man, last year was my first year shooting prime, and uh, I absolutely fell in love with that bow, how it operates, and then and then obviously once you learn more about it, you can go to primearchery.com to learn more about it. But once you learn more about it, it's just the the technology in that bow is really interesting and really really friendly to bow hunters, right? In scenarios where everything. At the moment of truth, all that stuff matters, and uh, you know, prime prime bows is a bow for bow hunters, straight up. So, um, if you haven't already, please go to primearchery.com, check out all their. They have a whole new lineup for 2019. Check it out. Find the bow that's right to you for you. Find a dealer. Just go shoot it. That's what I tell everybody. Go shoot those bows, and uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised uh, with what you find out. So primearchery.com for more information find a dealer go shoot a bow now we can get into today's i guess it's it's really an informative podcast with lantani and rick henley uh rick henley not related to don henley but (laughs) rick henley of the backcountry's backcountry hunters and anglers hot let's see you guys ready Super hot. We're sure. ready. Mic check. We're rolling. Well, I'm here at the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers booth at the Iowa Deer Classic this uh, today, and I'm joined by the big dog, Lantani, <laughs> and uh, one of the big dogs of the Iowa chapter, Rick Henley. And today, we're just going to talk a little bit about Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Uh, we're going to get uh, lots of information, what's going on on a national level, as well as what's going on on the local Iowa level uh, with the new chapter. And because we're at the Iowa Classic, I want to start with you, Rick, and talk j- just it's it's an infant chapter right we're, yep. we're brand new so we've we've gone through all the steps of getting becoming official Correct. right so now what kind of steps are we going through to grow the chapter and get more involved and bring the presence of backcountry hunters and anglers to iowa yeah absolutely so uh like you said we we now our official chapter um just got approved in, in december so and Prior to that, that was really what our focus was, was, you know, becoming a chapter. Um, now, like I said, it's all about growing uh, the chapter. And, and this weekend is a, a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're selling raffle tickets. Um, and a big part of that is if you if you become a member, 
an annual member, you get you get raffle tickets into yeah. a, to a raffle to win some sweet prizes. Um, yesterday we we had 60 new members signed up. So awesome. That's that's a big part of it right here is, is kind of our coming out party, getting a lot of new members and, and pushing that forward. And then from there, with the membership, it's it's starting to become involved with um, you know the politics of public land and, and getting new hunters and um, just getting people to know about backcountry hunters and anchor here in Iowa. So. Absolutely, absolutely. So land, how important is it for a state like Iowa that has, I, I actually think I heard on NPR this morning that Iowa has the lowest public land in the nation. How important is it for us to maintain and keep and maybe even grow the public land that Iowa already has? You know, I, I came here two weeks ago and I was trying to figure out what I was gonna talk about. I think it was like 49 out of 50 or 50 yeah. out of 50, right? And so when I got here, like, I was like, I know the leaders, like Ding Darling, you know, Aldo Leopold was born here. Like, I yep. knew kind of like these big icons that were from here. And what I found out from when I was here two weeks ago, when I'm finding out just like walking around, is like, there's a ton of hope here, right? Yeah. Like about public lands. Yeah. And like these public lands, like, like the opportunity to be able to grow that is absolutely awesome. Yeah. And so to me, like, is it important? It's absolutely important, you know? Yeah. And like, we were just over at the DNR and they got like little cars that talk about like public lands. Like we were over there talking to the Iowa bow hunters, right? Yeah. And like they're, they're talking about public lands. And I think that as you guys have like shot some really big deer here in the last couple of years, like that pressure is on private land in particular yeah. is like, it's getting more extreme. And so those public lands, you know, like I think to me, Man, like it's 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 a place where you know it doesn't matter how much money you made last year, who your parents are, kind of like like they're open to everybody, and so yeah. like growing that estate, I think is like what we can do, and you know what we just did at a national level, passing land and water conservation fund permanently, you know that was one of the things I looked into, and you guys there was a I think Neil Smith National Wildlife Refuge, they came into that was six thousand acres that you guys all grew like your public estate with, that money came from land and water conservation funds, so like those opportunities are out there, and especially now that we passed that bill, so right. And there, there is a lot of movement on the national level right now about, you know, bills and uh, different laws trying to be passed and people trying to not pass them and, sure. and the fight, right? The fight. Yeah. So talk to us on a national level about what's happening right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think the first thing is just the awareness about public lands, right? right. I and mean, I think that is that it's changing and so when the people find out more about public lands and how they're managed and that we didn't get this by accident then they want to they want to get involved and so i think that public lands i almost call it like a revolution like that we're in right like that like people's awareness is really good so right. i mentioned land water conservation fund that just got passed like out of the senate 92 to 8 and then the house it was 363 to 62 those guys don't vote like that unless they want to go home right? right like i mean this is like that's a big big wins and so besides the land and water conservation fund which is the number one access tool in this country you also had a million acres of, of uh, new wilderness you had 600 miles of like protected streams you did some uh, uh withdrawals of like mineral development and and so like like that was a big overall package now there was some stuff in there that we didn't like necessarily there were some land conveyances in texas and alaska in particular but that thing was a compromise, like bringing all those people right. together. And so, like, what a huge thing that was. And, and you know, we were, we were in D.C. a couple weeks ago when they passed it out of the Senate. And you have Lisa Murkowski, Republican from uh, Alaska. You have Senator Martin Heinrich from uh, New Mexico, Democrat, both singing the praises of hunters and anglers and how we got that thing done. Right. And then also singing the praises of each other, right? And that just doesn't, I mean... We look at like at a national level how people are just like fighting all the time. Yeah. Here's something where they came together, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be too Pollyannish about this. Like everything's great, 
But man, they came together. Yeah. Right? Like they came together. Oh man, we're in the duck line. I love that. I love that. Um, but they came together, you know, and like they found something they could agree upon. I think that's like a pretty cool thing. And like public lands again, it should be this uniting factor. Yeah. And that's a case where it's actually happening. Yeah, that's a that's a great example of not just for me. I see shit on the news. It's just negative. Everything is negative. Yeah. But then this is a bipartisan, and it, I feel like if we could focus more on what's working, then we can transition that over to something positive on all aspects. Absolutely. I mean, 92 to 8, man. Yeah. Like, 92 to 8. Like, I just, it's just unheard of out there, right? Yeah. And so, like, finding that common ground, you know, and, and like... And I'm like you, like I have a lot of hope that like that can bleed into other things, you know, yeah. but at least we're getting it done on public lands. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so anything else on a national level, uh, whether it's, you know, positive strides or concerns that uh, we as, you know, public land users need to be aware of? I think the one that I'm most concerned about right now is like rollbacks of the Clean Water Act rule. Yeah. And so like that's like protecting temporary wetlands. So we hear that duck call, like temporary wetlands are those wetlands that are only wet during and early in the spring, yeah. right? And so like, they're super important. Like those birds, they're invertebrate, like, like, like life in those like temporary wetlands that these birds like eat and like that's what makes them so robust, right? right. And so now we're rolling back protections for that and for uh, intermittent streams, which is the same thing in the spring when they run, that's really good for trout. And so there's a comment period that's going on right now around the clean water rule. And I don't know, like, if our voices will be heard and if we roll that thing back man that's just protections for you know some of the greatest places that produce these ducks like that's the prairie pothole region which is north dakota south dakota montana right. a little bit of minnesota that's where these things are and so I, i'm super nervous about that to be totally okay. honest so what is the the opposite side saying why do they need to roll that back is it is it just to make money off uh, natural resources is it uh like we don't have the funding we want to cut back taxes like what is it so i think the opposite side of that is that it's like it's a straight up development right like right. they want to like be able to like develop these uh these potholes basically that aren't wet and like farm on them and like whatever and like i think there's a lot of there was already a lot of uh opportunity for farmers to develop those places. There's lots of exceptions to the rule. Right. And so like now, I think it's more about rhetoric. I'll be totally honest. Like I, I don't think it's like at the end of the day, like it, like it would affect them that much. But what they're saying is that like, this is gonna stop us be able to do you know, what we wanna do on the ground. And right. they already had, I mean, they, they already had you know, plenty of exemptions. And so to me, it's more about rhetoric, right? And like just wanting to develop all that stuff. So on the other side, yeah, I think it's all about like wanting to farm more. Yeah. Okay. Which, and I would also say, sorry, I would also say in like North Dakota in particular, I've been hunting ducks there for a long time, and like with the Bakken field and all the oil and gas developments been going on there. Yeah. Like they're putting like they're putting oil pads right on top of wetlands. Like, yeah. Right on top of them, man. And like and like like that to me is like I think it's probably oil and gas and farming is like that, driving that whole thing. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's kind of. That's big into Iowa, going, kind of going back to Iowa, where it's just like Iowa is a farming state. It's an agriculture state, right? I mean, we're, we're number one in a lot of different categories when it comes to that. So recently in Iowa, there's been some movement and some talk about withdrawing a budget from specific uh, conservation acts. Rick, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so just this past week, um in the House, the State House, they, they uh, brought forward HF 542, which is, I mean, basically a, a, a bill that's going to take out the word acquire and development of any public lands in Iowa. Um, I mean, and really, it's, it's, it's almost, 
it's, it's a terrible bill, but it's perfect timing for us and the fact that this is exactly the type of stuff that, that we want to fight in Iowa. Right. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's all different kinds of speculation as to what the motivation for it might be. But it, it, I mean, like you said earlier, we have the less or the least amount of public land in the country, and right. uh, they're basically trying to make it where we can't buy anymore, we can't get anymore. Um, even though we might have all these um, different vehicles in place to, to fund this type of stuff, they're just trying to strike it completely out of there. Um, and then two days later, they, the, the a similar version came up in the state Senate. Um, so, you know, we at first we kind of thought like, you know, maybe this was just one one representative putting something forward, you know, who knows. But then obviously when you see it coming through the Senate as well, uh, you know, there's something something behind there pushing that. Um, what, it, do we know what pushes like bills like this to get passed? Is it is it uh, a bigger company is funding a politician and that politician writes a bill for the sake of a, a giant corporation? Or is it just, here, we are these people and we stand for this and we want to get rid of public land? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I have no idea what his motivation is, yeah. but I mean, I can tell you, you know, already some of the lobbying groups, uh, you know, go out there and say whether or not they're for it or against it. Yeah. Um, obviously, any of your conservation groups out there are, are opposed to it, as they should be. Um, you know, as of right now, I think the only lobbying groups out there that are for it are um, is like the Iowa Farm Bureau. So, right. I, again, I don't know their motivations. I just know who's for it and who's against it. And Right, right. Uh, so on a, on a local level or a, a state level like that, how much energy does the national chapter, like how much support, let's say, if, I, if we're talking about three people in this booth, yeah. how much support land do you give Rick uh, to, and, and to fight this new bill that's passed? So our job is to like elevate his voice, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, like the folks on the ground know what they need, right? right? And in this case in particular on this bill, like we want to elevate that voice. So it's like providing a megaphone for them. So like, okay. I think, you know, I always talk about how like we punch way above our weight. Yeah. And you know, we have 33,000 members now across the nation. So we're growing, but the way we punch away of our weight is like through social media and for the traditional media. <clears throat> so that's like the help that we can provide right. is through those those channels. And so like, you know, whatever we need to do on that piece, I mean, having this podcast is one of those things, right? Yeah. Like this is a bully pulpit that's gonna go out and people are gonna be able to listen to this whole thing, right? right. And so like when we do that, that just lets more people know about it and then get engaged. So that's that's our job, I think, at a at a national or North American level, and then like is to elevate the voice of folks either in Iowa or any other state that's got something going on. Yeah, okay. Dan. I mean, I can say specifically. I mean, just with this this bill, um, you know, we found out about it. I can't remember Tuesday or Wednesday, right? Uh, Frank Lake, the other co-chair, put it on our Instagram page. You know, all of us. Uh, within the board, uh, you know, saw that or whatever, and I was like, we got to do something about it. Um, you know, we got in touch with the national um, uh, headquarters for BHA, and I mean, literally by the end of the day, they had a letter, uh, you know, like a pro forma letter that we could we could send out electronically. Um, you just put your name in there, you put your address, and it automatically pops out a letter to your to your state representative. Right. But, you know, that was by the end of the day, and we were promoting that out there as much as we could. Uh, they were as well, so it's, you know, like I said, it's just their, their megaphone for us uh, on the ground. So. And we got, like, the system, right? Like, yeah, that, like what you're talking about. Like, you know, like, if we didn't have that opportunity to be able to, like, you can put your name in there and your address, yep. and that goes to your exact representative yep. or senator, like, that would make it all harder, right? And so, like, we have that system, and so it's just there yep. for you guys to use. Absolutely. So, the last time we talked, Rick, you talked about this R3 program. Uh, 
tell us what that is again. Remind us what that is, and then talk to us about maybe any strides that have come uh, about that program uh, since the last time we talked. Yeah. So the the R three, um, and, and that's a you know it's it's big nationally. It's it's about getting uh, new hunters into the sport, uh, hunters and anglers. It's about retaining those that are already doing it, and then hopefully reengaging um, those that maybe have left. Right. Um, so that's that's a big thing nationally. I mean, we all know that hunter numbers are, are down nationally. So we got to find we got to find people to go out there and do it to, to support yeah. it. Um, so a couple of things that we've done. Um, another one of our board members, Max McDaniel, has been uh, on an R three task force with the Iowa DNR, and um, we've we've got some different events set up. We already had one, the Neil Smith Wildlife Refuge that he mm-hmm. spoke of. Um, a few of us went over and we did a mentor hunt there. Um, got a hunt on some. <laughs> It's not very often you get to hunt pheasants on a wildlife refuge, but yeah. they, they opened it up for us, and it was it was awesome. It was awesome. amazing. Um, but we got some new guys, uh, new people into hunting, and then we're going to keep doing some more events like that. We're going to uh, work with them on like a turkey hunting event, um, a dove hunting event in the in the fall, a small game event. So it's just just about having these you know small events that we can do you know real personal interactions with right. new hunters and hopefully get them get them into it. Right. So, I'm, I'm assuming at this point, right? You're sitting at this booth, and because Iowa has such a low pop, a low public land percentage, right? There's a lot of people that look at this booth and say, "Well, I either own land, I I, I hunt on family land, I don't hunt public." And they keep walking by land. Why is it important for those people to follow? or support an organization like this, even though they don't have any, I guess, direct relationship with it. I, I think it goes right back to the R3 conversation, right? Like, I mean, like, this idea that people are getting, like, priced out of places, that's leasing or, like, land gets sold, like, a private land, that public land is open to everybody, right? right? And so, like, if you're getting into hunting and, like, you want to try it out, like, you got to have places you can go that aren't going to cost you, you know, an arm and a leg, right? Yeah. So I think that idea, like, why does it matter is because we want to be able to recruit and, like, retain like hunters all across this country and then right here in Iowa. And so like public land is this place that again, it doesn't matter who your parents are, how much money you made last year, like it's available to you. And so right. I think like even if you have your own place, you should care about like hunting in general and trying yeah. to make sure that be- is maintains something that is, uh, I mean, that's like truly American to me, but like, I mean, the democracy of public land, right? Like it's available to everybody. And I like, if we don't have that, then our numbers are going to go down and like it's going to become, you know, the the king's game, you know, like this, this country is different than over in Europe, right? And it's yeah. because like we the people own the wildlife and then we the people have public lands to go to. And if you take that away, I think it becomes an elite sport and we don't have opportunities anymore. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I want to kind of transition to out west just a second because I, like I'm in the, the stage of my life now where I have the funds and I have the interest to start making those trips from Iowa to go hunt elk and yeah. mule deer and places like that. So from a, from a Western perspective, I know that uh, like there's a lot of landlocked public ground, right? Yeah. Has there been any type of movement on that end uh, as far as maybe get, getting access to some of those uh, landlocked pieces in specific states? That's good. And, and I'll start with that again, like, like you and I own 640 million acres, right? Like right. that public landowner thing that's on my shirt right now, that's yeah. a real deal, right? Yeah. And so like you can go out west and you can go explore these places. Like it's just, even though I live in Montana, that place is just as like, like as important to you that it is as important to me. Yeah. So that's, that's the first place I would say. I think landlocked 
land that's happening, you know, with private land that's all the way donating to the public, or it's like checkerboarded, right? And it's hard to get into. So Land and Water Conservation Fund, which we talked about earlier, is, is one of those tools like address that. And it's, again, it's all willing seller, willing buyer. Like, none of that is being forced on anybody. I want to make that clear. Like, if a landowner decides that he wants to sell his property to the public, like, into the public domain, that's not like we're forcing them to do that. That's, like, something they decide to do. Yeah. There's also a thing, this is a mouthful, but it's called the Federal Land Transaction Facilitation Act, FLIPFA. Okay. And what that basically does is it, it creates this opportunity to sell some public land that isn't as important to us, right? But that money, instead of going into the treasury, it stays in an account, and so that looks for other opportunities to like provide access, right? And so okay. that got, about a year ago out in DC, that got uh, reauthorized. And so we have those two, two, uh, two laws, I think, in place to help us with this. The other piece, which hasn't happened yet, but is like this idea of like corner crossing. Yeah. And, and when you're on like that checkerboarded stuff, it hasn't really been challenged yet. And, you know, and some people think it's illegal. Like my shoulders, like, when they go over the top of that, like, they're violating airspace. And I'm like, where does that airspace stop, by the way? Yeah. We all got, like, GPSs in our phones now. And, like, we know exactly where we are. Like, Onyx is like, you know exactly where you are. Yep. Why can't we do that? And I, I think that is more about people trying to keep stuff for themselves. You know, yeah. that stuff that is, like, hard to get to, that becomes de facto private land at that point. You yeah. know, and, I, and so I think there's some of that kind of piece going on. And somebody needs to challenge that, and you know, that's something that we're working on. Yeah. To me, to me, it doesn't make sense, like, when they can get away with that. I, I don't understand, like, was that, like, when that all happened back in the day, was it just a loophole that was, like, okay, well, I am going to buy this, this uh, surrounding ground. Yeah. This is now this public ground that they ha they can't go through my property to get to or they're yeah, yeah. trespassing. I mean, obviously people are doing that on purpose. Yeah. Right? They, they did that on purpose. So back in the day, did, did the BLM uh, or did a forestry or whatever organization owns that landlocked public yeah, yeah. land, did they just not see that coming? Or did the, or was there a loophole that the landowners were able to take advantage of, or how did how did that work? I mean, I think I mean it's a great question, and uh, I'm not super smart all the time on this stuff, but I will tell you what I know. Yeah. And so, like railroads in particular, like they're trying to get people out west, right? And so, like railroads, like that's that's what created a lot of that checkerboard area. It's like where a railroad goes through, and so the, like the federal government's like, we need this railroad to get people out there, and so we're going to give you ground like that's next to the railroad actually so that's where that checkerboard stuff kind of comes from then i would say as well like i mean like the homestead act like all these things that we're trying to get people out west that led to the divesting of some of our public land yeah. so i mean were we at sleep at the switch i don't say i don't think that i think we were i think we were trying to get people out west and then that just unintended consequences is why we have some of this stuff gotcha yeah gotcha so Anything else on the national level that you'd like to share with us today, um, whether it's uh, like actions that we need to take as members or uh, non-members needing to sign up or any new bills or laws or anything that we need to know about? I mean, I think the biggest thing I would say is like what this vote, this 92 to 8 vote, and this 363 to 62 vote in the House, what that signifies is like we the people's voice actually matters if we use it, right? right? And so like it's not like these... These senators woke up one day or these congressmen woke up one day and they're like, oh, we want to do a bunch of good stuff for public land. It's we the people demanded that, right? Yeah. And so like when we do that, we get what we want. And so right. I think anybody that's listened to this, you may think that your voice doesn't count anymore. That's a perfect example of what it actually does, right? Yeah. And so I think getting people 
uh, to engage in that political process, which sometimes, you know, it, it seems like a nightmare and like you can't do it. I mean, making things easy here in Iowa, you know, through that, through that kind of like the, um, just like easy letter to be able to send in, like use your voice, right? Yeah. And like, I think that's the biggest thing I would say, like that I think we all need to be thinking about is that our voice doesn't count unless we use it, right? right. And so like, and I, another way to say that is, uh, you know, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu, yeah. right? And like, you have to be at the table and you know, this stuff that we're all talking about today, it's really only 140, 160 years old, man. Like, this is an experiment still. And yeah. so, all these people, Theodore Roosevelt, Gifford Pinchot, like, all these people that gifted this to us, like, we're just, like, the next generation that's got to try to keep it rolling, man. And, yeah. and the only way we do that is by using our voice. Right. So, obviously, there's, like, big companies that are involved in some of this, like this, you know, the gas industry or sure. a livestock or whatever, money. How, like... I, I'm a huge fan of the Netflix uh, uh, show House of Cards, right? And yeah, just yeah. like you watch that, and you just are like corruption at every level, yeah. right? And just like money gets thrown at every like any yeah. problem, and it goes away. Yeah. Is how hard is it for a grassroots organization like uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers to fight the the quote unquote demons of money and power and greed? Like <laughs> how is that? Is it hard when they have almost unlimited resources at times? I, absolutely, but it goes back to what I just said. The people count, yep. the people count, right? Yep. And like those folks that are out in DC that are supposed to represent us, they got voted into office, yeah. right? And so like ultimately, like that's our, that's our job is to create like awareness about how they're voting on things that matter to us, right? right. And so like they want to support the people. Now they, again, like I mean that House of Cards is uh, kind of as crazy as that thing is. That's a lot of the way it works, man. Yeah. It's a lot of the way it works. And the way, how do we combat that? And like, like to your question, it's by the people rising up. You know, like, yeah. I call it this revolution, right? Like, I mean, 33,000 people now, it's them speaking up. That's how we combat it. And, and to me, uh, you know, I mean, we're never, like money's always been around. It always will be around. But the people, like, we have to speak up. Yeah, absolutely. So this this is more than likely going to be, uh, this podcast is going to be launched on two channels. One is going to be the Iowa Sportsman, and then the other one will be uh, mine, which is more of a national level. So pitch the listener who is not a member real quick, you know, just your, your soapbox pit, uh, pitch to a, a non-BHA member and let them know why they need to, why they need to do this. I mean, public mans matter, yeah. right? I and mean, I think they totally matter. It's only $25 of longest organization, which, like, you're going to spend an evening out easily, like, yeah. easily. And so what that does is it gives you, it gets you engaged with our local chapters, like in Iowa here, that's, like, starting to, so they can get you engaged with, like, what's going on at a state level. It gets you engaged at a, a national level. And then it also gets you a magazine four times a year that is absolutely world class. Like, yeah. our magazine is not, and <laughs> it's, it's different than other magazines, I would say. Yeah. And so, like... $25, man. That's all it costs. Like, yeah. and like, and, I, and like, let's do this like dating. Like, if you spend that $25 and like, you don't, you don't think that we're the organization for you. Okay. Like we were, we went on that first date, but like, yeah. like I almost guarantee you that you're going to, you're going to find out that you want to have more dates with us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Rick, um, anything else that on a, on the Iowa level that we need to discuss today? Um, yeah, I think one of the things that we brought up uh, the last time I was on the podcast with you was the uh, Iowa Natural Resources and Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund. Um, and it, it kind of goes into the whole uh, 
the house bill that we just talked about too, about being able to acquire stuff, um, being able to acquire more public land. So that trust fund, uh, if you remember, it was a, a, a three-eighths sales tax, three-eighths cent sales tax that we passed as voters in Iowa passed. Uh, a decade ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but they never funded it and yeah. still hasn't been funded. And there's a whole coalition of, of different conservation groups and um, and business groups and, um, and even agricultural groups that, that want it. However, they've just never funded it. Um, but if that if that were to get funded, uh, you know we would have money to acquire land. We would have money to to upkeep a lot of the uh, the land that we already have here in Iowa. Um, also, you know all kinds of different st uh, stuff, um, you know buffer strips for farmers, yep. just all kinds of stuff that we'd be able to do right. to, to improve the lives of Iowans. Um, and, and obviously, it's going to improve uh, hunting and angling here in, in Iowa as well. So um, that's another thing that we're still uh, continuing to push. Um, and like I said, it's not just us. It's a huge coalition of different. Right. Let me ask you this. My family loves hiking trails. We love, I mean, Iowa's got some gorgeous state parks. Does any of this affect, like, camping, hiking, out, like, other boat landing type of things like that? All of it. All of it. All of it. I mean, that, that trust fund right there, it, it's, it specifically uh, has a ratio out there of how that money is going to be spent. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not like that money is going to get put into a fund and then they're going to find some way to blow it. Yeah. It has to be spent on certain things, and right. it has to be spent on all that stuff you just mentioned. So this is important to those who are not hunters Absolutely. and who do not fish but love to be outside and enjoy going to a state park or going on hiking trails or go, like go to going camping or people that like to breathe air and drink water yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. absolutely <laughs> kind of important stuff yeah. right? <laughs> most people i know do that absolutely so now at the state level rick give your pitch to why it's important for iowans to get involved absolutely well you know you said we have the lowest percentage of public land out there so you know we want to keep what we have and we want to try and get get more of it um you know and even though like you mentioned a lot of guys hunt, hunt private land you know just yesterday that was kind of our sales pitch to everybody you know hey do you hunt public land most people said yeah i mean even though they're hunting some private they're they're on public at some point right um so there's that you know we want we want to keep what we have we want to be able to try and get more um and the and the great thing about bha is it, it is very local right yeah. it's not like some of the bigger conservation groups that where you're having a banquet that money gets sent off to national and it's funding something right you know in some other state or some other country which, which those are great but um you know we get we get a lot of, of support here right in iowa and we're doing stuff on the ground specifically here in iowa um so I mean, that's, that's the best thing I can tell you to, to, to join it and, and get involved with our, our Iowa group, uh, our Iowa chapter. Um, you know, we're spread out all across the state. So, you know, as we see stuff come up in, in maybe the northwestern part of the state, you know, we're kind of putting it out there like, hey, any of our members that are up there, you know, go to this, go to this DNR meeting and, and um, you know, have your voice heard there yeah. or, um, you know, anything like that, we can kind of spread it out across the state and, and get involved. Gotcha. make a difference gotcha so we'll end on this um a lot of people care right Th like they care but life is busy right so we want to vote the right way we want to send letters to uh, our you know our congressmen and our senators and our house of representatives but we just it's hard to keep up with everything on top of life yeah. how does back country hunters and anglers make that simple 
So it's basically maybe a copy and paste, or it's a push of a button, or it, it's it, there's not a lot of time or energy that I have to put into because you guys are doing all the work, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, our job is to educate you and to make things easy, right? And so, like, I mean, Rick brought up earlier about how like we were able to like do this like kind of form letter that, like very quickly around this state issue, right? And so, like. We try to make it so it's as easy as possible, educate you in this world that is like totally crazy. And so we do that through social media, we do that through our magazine, we do that through email. And so we try to make it as easy as possible for you to know what's going on yeah. and then to engage after that. Right. So I think, you know, that's our jobs. And like, I mean, I think, like, again, like, we don't know about that stuff unless Rick calls me up and is like, this is what we got going on. And yeah. so the, the information on the ground from local people helps us elevate that noise. Right, absolutely. Rick? Land guys, I really appreciate you taking time out to spread the message and, and uh, bring the fight to Iowa. It's always uh, good to, uh, like me personally, I'm an outdoorsman, out hunter, fisher. You know, I love camping, hiking. It's good that there's people like you fighting for uh, our right, I guess you could say. And uh, again, thank you guys for coming today. Dude, we're thank all in you. this together. Thank you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another podcast in the books. Please go out, sign up, become a member, and support backcountry hunters and anglers. If you love to be outside and enjoy public lands, this is the organization for you. So go sign up today. Huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast. Ozonics, Wasp, Exodus, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, and Hunter Safety Systems. Uh, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast uh, because they support me. I get to put out content like this. And we all get to learn something, right? So um, go out and support those companies. Lastly, I mean, first and foremost, though, thank you. Thank you, the listeners, for downloading. Please go leave a review somewhere on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you download your podcast, man. Please leave a review. Go check out the sportsmansnation.com. Tons of great content there for us all to read, listen, and watch. Um, and I think that's it, man. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Instagram. Facebook, you know, if you're not following the Nine Finger Chronicles, you need to be. If you're not following the Sportsman's Nation, you need to be. Uh, and uh, lastly, if you're going to be in a tree, please, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us to wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week. <laughs>